Back in the 1950s, actually through the 1980s, there was a huge fad with artwork featuring big-eyed children and pets alike. All of these featured kind of a ragmuffin, homeless topic with big, sad eyes, often with a single tear or crying. It could possibly be a little puppy or a kitten painted in the city alley scene, maybe with a scrap of bread or food at its feet. Now, at the same time, children became depicted in the same manner, often with dirty faces, often orphans, and crying. The topic of this evening is a group of paintings called The Crying Boy that was so popular it was mass-produced for over three decades and was especially popular in England and the areas of Wales. Imagine, if you will, owning one of these paintings that are now considered cursed. Why may you ask cursed? Well, in several instances, the home with the painting would burn to the ground. However, in a weird twist of fate, firefighters would again and again find one particular thing that the flames did not touch. It was, you guessed it, the painting of the crying boy. It would be found without damage or even discoloration amongst total annihilation of everything else in the home. Further investigations found an original crying boy's face was illuminated as it was painted as if he was near a fire and it was shining across his sad crying face. Join us tonight as we talk about the curse of the crying boy paintings. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded we become fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Now, listeners... I wish you could see this magnificent shirt my friend Bill Weirs is wearing. It is colorful. It is UFO abduction in a wooded area with Sasquatch. The Sasquatch is down here. It is amazing. And I understand it's a Christmas present. My son ordered it for Christmas. He was looking for a shirt for me. And, and when I opened it, he told me that's my podcasting shirt. Absolutely. Got, like you said, it's got the UFOs on the top and then the Bigfoots down below. And <laughs> it was like when I opened it, I was, you know, it took, yeah, like, like you said, you see all the color first and then you got to really, you know, you look at it. Well, as he come in the shop door today, as we're getting ready to, of course, we record back here in the, in the backside of Raven's Loft, our shop. He come in the door. He, he's 25, 30 foot away and easily <laughs> I spot trees and sasquatch and then kind of these bright and yellow orange lines <laughs> that later i get to see as ufos and it's like oh my gosh i love this shirt so uh, totally unrelated to the topic but hey you yeah know, while we're sharing we got to share that so let me just start off by saying that in many folk traditions a picture falling from the wall is seen as an omen of impending death and if the picture is the portrait of a living person it's usually the death of that person that's on the way mm. Now, like Eric said, this was a mass-produced print. Was it 50,000 copies were purchased in the UK alone? Just in the UK, yes. So, now, as Bill said, The Crying Boy was mass-produced, a print, a painting. Now, we also have to add, there was the original figure of the portrait of The Crying Boy. And then also considered under this are several different children that were depicted. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the artist himself did multiple different children. 
And then other artists did similar paintings. And some more of crying girls so, as yeah, well. There's, there's crying girls, there's crying boys, there's different poses, different baggers. The, the one that, like you said, they all have the big eyes, they're mm-hmm. all sad, they're all crying. A ragamuffin, dirty face, yeah. you know. So, I mean, there is, there is that. Ironically, the artist's name was Giovanni Bragolin. Uh, he was an Italian painter. We're going to get into the name of that a little bit more, though. He used a pseudonym even to disguise his work, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. But regardless, a series of portraits dubbed the crying boy paintings always featuring the same topic, a young ragamuffin, large eyes, met the viewers to kind of establish that instant connection. They gained their fame in the UK and other parts of the world with thousands and thousands, 50,000 just in the UK alone, as Bill mentioned, purchased and displayed in homes and businesses. It was I will use the word a fad, uh, but a fad usually implies that it doesn't last that long. This actually was like three decades, 30, 30 plus years. However, it was these terrifying events that accompanied the paintings that many began to question if there was something sinister attached to them. Rumors spread of a curse that it was so evil it would destroy the subject and the creator and damage the homes and lives of anyone who purchased one of these prints by the artist. Now, skeptics, on the other hand, provided other explanations. Many seem to have an opinion of the story from urban legend and from a cursed myth to media hysteria. Uh, we're just going to present some of the facts tonight. And as always, we're, we're going to let our listeners decide. So I'm going to tell the urban legend okay. that sort of surrounds this. Now, there, there is some truth in this story, as all good stories do have some truth in At it. At least to see the truth. And and there's some of it, it may be exaggerated, I don't know, but this is sort of the, the story that surrounds the crying boy painting. Now, like uh, Eric said, it was done by Italian painter Giovanni Bregolin. However, that was not his actual name. He didn't exist. He That was the pen name of a painter known as Bruno Amadio. Who was from Spain. Yeah. Not only changed names, but I don't even want to be yeah, associated with the in- country. Now, again, like we said, the, the, the paintings feature a young ragamuffin with large eyes and tears streaming down his face, intended to evoke an emotional reaction from the viewer. And there are all alternative versions, some by other artists, but all featuring a tearful young boy or girl. And, and often the subjects were very poor, but, quote, very beautiful. I hate to use the term very beautiful to describe a child. Makes me uncomfortable, but that was the They were wording. well done, but they simplistic. Were pretty children. Yes. You know, cute, whatever you want to say. Now, according to Amadio, the subject of one of his paintings, the one that seems to be the one in question, he described as a little street urchin that he came across in Madrid in the 1960s. Now, the young boy was a mute orphan with a sorrowful expression, and he instantly captivated the artist, and he just immediately, like, busted out his paints and started painting this boy. It's like, a, I, I imagine the way you see, I must paint this child. Yes, know? it was his muse. Uh, now, while painting the boy, a Catholic priest came over and he, to, to warn Amadio. Uh, he said the boy was named Don Benio, and he was a runaway. And he had run away after seeing his parents die in a fire. Mm-hmm. Key a point fire Key point. that was started and, and, and under unknown circumstances. And, you know, they, some even implied that the boy himself was responsible. Now, allegedly, since then, fires would break out wherever the boy went. They were always of unknown origin. And we're not talking paintings. We're talking yeah, the actual, the actual person, fire. the topic, uh, the, the boy. The, yeah, the actual kid. Um, now, they occurred with such frequency, the boy was eventually nicknamed Diablo, which, of course, translates to devil. Now, the priest warned Amadio against having anything to do with the child. So the, the kid was cursed, you know, whatever it was. 
But Amadeo ignored the priest, and he brought Benio home to live with him while he painted the Crying Boy series. Now, the Crying Boy series would be the only artwork of Amadeo's that would see success, again, available through the 50s and 70s and, and you know, hundreds, thousands of prints. Now, the stories continue that not long after he finished the paintings, his studio caught fire and he lost everything. Yeah. It, it, this left Amadeo in ruin. It basically ruined his career, just brought an end to everything. He accused the boy of starting the fire, remembering the priest's warning, and he kicked him out of his home, never to see him again. Now, from then on, Amadeo's situation would only get worse, especially when reports of the curse of the crying boy painting began to spread across Europe, and his fame turned to suspicion. No one wanted to even look at his paintings, and no one would commission any new artwork because of this. Well, and originally when he did the painting, like I said, he, he worked under a pseudonym, not only a different name, but from a different country. I, I would, as an artist to myself, he did not want to be taken lightly. He felt, you know, maybe this is the wrong way to put it, but he was more of a Rembrandt, and he didn't want to be associated with, you know, lower class mass produced <laughs> however you want to put it you know paintings and, and artwork but yet as you said this is what he became known for yeah and, i mean you got to do what you got to do to pay the bills and obviously it, it made him quite a bit of money until he lost everything in the fire and so now he's going back and he's like please just let me paint anything but this but then as bill said the curse kind of started getting associated well then it was like well you're cursed you're the artist who captured this Diablo, this small, innocent child uh, in this painting. And so, yeah, it just, in it's a bad choice of words, but it burned him <laughs> bad. All pun intended. All pun intended. Now, the story continues that in 1976, on the outskirts of Barcelona, police responded to a report of a car crash. Yes. Where a car had exploded after crashing into a wall. When officers arrived on the scene, they found the driver had been burned beyond recognition and was the only occupant of the car. They searched the glove box, which somehow had survived the fire, and found a partial driver's license. The license belonged to Don Bonillo, the, the child in the painting. The crying boy original. And of course, this seemed to add even more credibility to the fiery curse of the crying boy. Because he was burnt beyond all recognition. Now, did Don Bonillo exist? There is little to no evidence of the existence of Don Bonillo. Now, but to that point, to that point, he was a runaway Orphan. Yeah, I was going to say he was a runaway orphan. That could have been a false name. It could have been, you know, who knows? No. Now, that that's sort of the urban legend surrounding these paintings. But, of course, in 1985, the Crying Boy painting would burst onto the scene in, in a big way thanks to the intended. Sun, uh, a British tabloid. I think yes. you have that. Yes. The, uh, the first reported house fire occurred at the home of Ron and Mary Hall in Rotterham. That was in 1985. And the fire destroyed everything on the first floor of their terraced council home, save one item, the print of the crying boy that hung in their living room. Now, the origin of the fire was determined to be a, a frying pan, a deep fryer that had overheated. It sparked out. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, common enough occurrence. Common, yeah, absolutely. Tragedy, yes, but common. Now, during the fire, allegedly the painting fell from the wall, landed face down, and strangely was only slightly charred, though the cause of the fire, as you said, would be a chip pan or deep frying pan that overheated and burst into flames. So the couple became convinced that somehow the painting was the curse of it, regardless of what the firefighters was telling them it was the deep frying pan. But at the time, that wasn't even the first occurrence. There were already other instances where homes had burned 
and firefighters had found the crying boy yes. is the this, only this surviving was kind of the turning item. point i think that somebody started connecting the dots yeah. so to speak recording it and yeah now the halls were not alone in their experience or theory as bill was stating many similar fires uh, were before as well as followed yeah i mean for example you have the this occurrence in the home of jane mccutcheon uh, she had a, a print of the crying boy hanging in her living room. She was cleaning her kitchen one day when she noticed the handmade drapes, blinds, and curtains had suddenly burst into fire. Wow. And they started to burn. Uh, now everyone escaped safely, but the home was completely destroyed. Except the, the crying boy painting, which was found amongst the wreckage. As a matter of fact, when firefighters worked the scene, one firefighter was overheard as saying, oh no, not another one. <laughs> So it was already starting to have some notoriety amongst firefighters. It wasn't even only in rural homes. There also in Rottingham, there was a pizza parlor that uh, fell victim to the curse. Uh, One evening after they had closed up, um, the the whole entire building was a loss, but they had a picture of the crying boy and it somehow survived. Again, you're thinking a restaurant. It's obviously pizza you're cooking. So the official cause I did not see but you can imagine you know it was probably just electrical short well at this point people tried to burn their copies i was going to say at this point yeah some of the people who even lost everything in their fire that one couple in particular took the painting out back just convinced this thing is cursed and lit it on fire tried to light it on fire and it would not burn and so that kind of led on to even more of the legend and myth now firefighters early on couldn't explain why the paintings did not burn Fire service investigators pointed uh, to discarded cigarettes, overheated uh, frying pans, faulty wiring, leading firefighters to believe that the house fires resulted in human carelessness rather than anything supernatural of a curse. Now, interestingly enough, fire station officer Alan Wilkinson personally logged 50 fires. Just where, in that district. Yeah, or just area. his district that he was responsible for, where the only surviving item was a crying boy painting. Uh, and fun, funny, funny little fact on his retirement, he was presented with a framed print of the crying boy. I remember this, which he politely declined. Yeah, He would not put that thing in his house. He was actually a self-declaimed skeptic. He said, I don't believe in curses. I don't believe this painting's doing it. And that's kind of why he started that list that acquired 50 fires logged in his district. And he kind of began to believe into it, obviously, by the end of it, by not accepting the, yeah. the gift, if you will. Yeah, it says he didn't believe in the curse, but he still wasn't willing to, you know, he wasn't going to hang one in his house. I, I found a quote that he actually did for a newspaper article that I thought was odd. And they somebody had questioned him. And they said, okay, well, you know, obviously you've investigated some of this. You've been the firefighter on call to some of these calls. You've logged over 50 of these. Why do you think the painting never burns? And his answer was, I always say it's the tears of the child that yeah. put the fire out. thought that was interesting. Now, September 5th, 1985, the, the tabloid The Sun runs an article entitled The Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy. And they start to kind of recap some of the events we've already talked about here. By the end of November, believing the curse was widespread enough that The Sun began to organize a mass bonfire of the paintings. Eventually... About 2,500 copies were sent in. They had so many, they didn't know what to do. Now, this was after about a six-week span of news articles featuring it in The Sun, the tabloid, yes. So eventually, they decided they're going to burn them in a bonfire near the River Thames uh, in a highly publicized event held on Halloween night. Of course. Why not do it on Halloween? And of course, as the story went on, the curse of the painting would evolve. uh, You know, having the curse in your house would cause injury or death to family. 
Some people reported accidents after buying a copy. You know, again, people trying to burn them and they were horrified when they found they couldn't. You know, it was just this this huge, like, I don't know how you'd phrase it, but this outpouring of hatred for the Crying Boy painting. We got to destroy it. We got to get rid of it. It's a curse. Now, going back to the Sun, the tabloid. Now, in in Britain, there was two major tabloids. The Sun was one, and honestly, I cannot. That the other one escapes me. But on September fourth, nineteen eighty-five, the Crying Boy paintings first received what would be six weeks of the news coverage leading up to the the burning of the paintings that Bill was talking about. And the first article was "Blazing Curse of Crying Boy." It was published on page 13 by ooh. British ooh, tabloid newspaper, The Sun, and it detailed the, the harrowing experience of recent victims of the house fire, Ron and Mary Hall, that we talked about. They did a follow-up article on September 5th, and it brought new terrifying stories from readers who claimed after they read that story, hey, this has happened to me as well. And we started getting cases even outside of that district that the firefighter was recording the 50 alleged cases of. Now, some people speculate that all of this was just an advertising ploy from a genius of the sun saying (laughs) that, okay, we've got a heck of a story here. We're going to beat our competition and we're going to just fully, you know, throw fuel on the fire, all pun intended, on this story. So they ran, as I stated, six weeks of stories. And then the, the manager owner of the sun saw this major outpouring and just news, you know, letters following up and, and pictures and, and all this. And he decided, and this was Blockbuster, as you said, send us your paintings. We will save you. We will yeah. save our readers. <laughs> and they were expecting a few hundred. But I, I think the number you quoted was 20, 20 almost or about 2,500 copies, 2,500 copies. I read an interview with one of the, the secretaries and she said, we had two empty offices that we soon filled from floor to ceiling <laughs> with paintings that were coming in. Well, that was the. And they spilled out into the hallway beyond that. The original intent was not to have a bonfire. That was not no. how it first started. But they had, so, they had accumulated so many copies, they had to do something with them. Yeah. So. Well, then, again, major advertor- uh, advertising genius. What are we going to do with all this stuff? It's stacking up. Oh, my gosh, they're still coming. You know, what are we going to do? <laughs> So it was declared that on, you know, as you said, Halloween, again, yeah, pretty good. Pages of this stuff appeared on page 13 several times. We're going to burn them in a controlled burn with some of the firefighters that have been here standing support in case things get out of hand. Now, I will say I, I looked at some of these pictures, and I, I don't mean this to sound sexist, but some of the gals were wearing extremely short shorts bent over lighting the fires in these pictures. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, it, it was wore little shorts in those days. Okay. okay, okay I mean, we've all seen the pictures from the... I'm the, just implying... What was this, in the 80s? Maybe yeah. they were, you know, really trying to, to grip at the heartstrings here of, of the listeners and, and readers. You're just trying to... Hey, any publicity is Make the publicity. best of it. Make the best of a worse situation. Now, of course, they started finding... As we said, they started investigating, why won't these things burn? Well, I, I actually have here that British writer and comedian Steve Punt investigated the curse in a BBC radio production. Okay. And he concluded that the prints were treated with a varnish that contained a fire retardant, and that really the only thing that burned easily was the string, which would held the painting to the wall. And that so makes sense. A painting on the wall 
String burns. Mass the, produced. The, it's going to yeah. be a cheap little cotton the screen. The falls straight down, hits the floor, lands face down. And so the face of the painting is actually sort of protected from the fire. As and obviously were. down at the floor yeah. levels where you're always told to, you know, yeah. stop and crawl. And yeah. And so, the you know, the painting would land face down and sort of be protected from the fire. So, you know, was every painting treated the same? I mean, I guess. Well, I don't the know. originals obviously would have had that varnish protection. But then we talked about 50,000 copies. Well, that's a paper print. But some would go on to speculate, well, okay, those didn't have the varnish coating, but they were on a thick cardboard. Yeah, they were, they were printed so, on a chipboard, so cardboard. That's also flame retardant. Okay, and maybe. Investigative journalist David Clark said that stories, particularly that named the child as John Benio or Diablo, didn't even emerge until 2000s uh, in, in a book by Tim Sleeman. And the book related the child to several fires, including the painter's studio, but that Clark determined there was absolutely no truth whatsoever to any of that. So, okay. you know, well, you, you, the curse kind of becoming that urban legend, you yeah. know, we've talked about, you know, despite various attempts to, to debunk the curse, people still continue to believe in it, uh, leading it to become a full fledged urban legend recorded in our history. I believe there's one collector that collects crying boy paintings has their whole house full of yes. them to sort of debunk the story and, yeah there's been like you no have a whole house today. full of them and the house is still standing so like bring it on bring it on i'm right here <laughs> but uh for example the portraits of scottish artist anna zinkinson uh similarly feature crying girls and boys and have often been attached to the whole crying boy curse uh season three episode four of the tv series weird or what with william shatner Exp- uh, examined the legend of the paintings as recently as 2012. Uh, different online groups have also popped up with uh, such as the Dutch Crying Boy Fan Club, <laughs> but many since have disappeared. Uh, however, in a form of unexplained mysteries, the website is still open for viewing. You can find and talk of the curse on social media. And on February 2nd of 2022, Hanbury Arms Haunted Hotel and Museum posted that there currently have several crying boy paintings on display, proving that this is nothing more than an urban legend and it's not going to go away soon. And we're not going to miss out on making a buck because we're going to charge admission for you to come look at them. Yeah. So there you go. I had down something that I kind of stumbled across, hadn't thought about it until really at the tail end of the uh, research for this. Could the original crying boy, the, the little mute orphan runaway, be a fire starter. We're all probably familiar with the term fire starter, such that was immortalized in Stephen King's novel by oh, the I, same name. I thought you meant the punk song. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, of course, made into the 1984 cult classic movie. Uh, remade not that long ago, too. True, I, I haven't true. seen the remake, but I've seen the original with Drew Barrymore a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a person who has a special gift or curse, as the case may be, with abilities to start a fire just by focusing or maybe, especially at a young age, accidentally at times based on their emotions. Pyrokinesis. Yes. As we previously spoke in the original Crime Boy, the, the, the boy that was used in the painting by Bruno Amirillo was a mute orphan that the Catholic priest warned the artist of. The priest stated the child was marked or cursed when he witnessed his own parents burn to death in a fire. Some now speculate this poor child, Don Benelio, could have been a fire starter and possibly lost control of his emotions and actually literally killed his own parents causing a fire in the tragic fire that ended their life. I kind of like that twist of the story. It seems believable, plausible, at least in the realm of the paranormal, you know. 
you also have to ask yourself, how many incidents were there due to the alleged crying boy curse? Well, based on the number of paintings that were sold, I'm just saying 25,000, 50,000 would have burned to the ground. (laughs) So you said that earlier. And honestly, that makes a good point. (laughs) I mean, with that kind of quantity blanketing uh, the countryside of England, I'm surprised any of England would have survived. (laughs) But uh, the firefighter that we mentioned, Alan Wilkerson, uh, just the Rotherham fire station, that district alone, he personally logged 50 fires of the crying boy paintings that had survived. And again, keep in mind, he was a he was a skepticist. He did not believe on it at first. Now, that was just in one district of the United Kingdom. And, of course, it's speculated that number could easily escalate to 10 times that amount to the quantity, uh, assuming the other districts had, you know, at least similar. Then we have at least a dozen or more uh, from other countries outside of England and the UK, even some in America, which are, are hard to find. But if you go scattering on the Internet, you can find them even in such areas as the Philippines, China and Ireland. Uh, so then just doing a quick search, as you said, you could find a handful of events here inside the United States. The truth is, we don't know the, how extensive these numbers could be. But I, you know, I would think it would be realistic to say it would be in the hundreds, possibly several hundreds. Uh, so no matter if you believe in curses or luck or unluck, that's hundreds of coincidences that seem strange and odd. But with, like you said, the numbers of those paintings that are out there. It doesn't add up. You, yeah, if it was the painting, if every copy of the painting was cursed, and you have to assume that, like, if the item survives the house fire, then you take it and maybe, I, well, I don't know. What do you do with it? Bury I it? mean, I guess if I had a weird painting that survived a house fire, I might not want to take it with me. Give it to a friend? You know, what would you do? <laughs> but, you know, I would like to know, and I don't think there's any way to prove this, going back to, as we said, there were several artists, several different topics. What well, is the correlation with the original boy but it, in it, comparison to the fires? It's not limited just to him. So you have other artists and you right. have other similar paintings. So you're saying if there's 50,000 copies of this one painting, what about the other was there, artists? Was there 5,000 of the many, original yeah. maybe out of that? You know, so, I don't know. And I don't think we'll ever know. So I'll be honest. When I was doing this, I think I came up a little bit short. So I sort of, I, I was looking for other cursed paintings to okay. see if, if, there, if there were more. Now, I came across a huge list of allegedly haunted paintings, but I was looking for a, a painting with a curse on it. I didn't want a haunted painting. And I came across Pogo the Clown. Mm-hmm. I've heard this name before. Yeah, I was going to say, now we've definitely heard of Pogo the Clown. We, we previously Associated with serial killer. talked about John Wayne Gacy. I know we did an entire episode about John Wayne Gacy. Um, but he did his, you know, he painted quite a bit. Not a master by any means. Trying to earn some money but, to hire lawyers to, to get him out. But he painted a painting of his alter ego, Pogo the Clown, that he would dress up and go to children's parties as. Now, musician Nicky Stone bought it for $3,000 in 2001, and he began to regret it immediately when his dog died and his mother got cancer. Ugh. Now, he said it was because of the dark influence of the painting. And so a friend of his said, okay, if you don't want to hold on to it, I'll hold on to it. Like, I'll hold on to it for you. That's a good friend. Soon after, the friend's neighbor was killed in a car crash. Ouch. I I mean, I don't know how it's related to the painting, but they went ahead. Okay. A a second friend said, well, okay, if you don't want to hold on to it, I'll (laughs) hold on to it. (laughs) Pass the hot potato here. That friend attempted suicide. Said just the presence of the painting in his home made him uncomfortable. It is currently in the care of one Sean McCarran, a consignment art dealer. 
uh, he took the painting and he has stored it. He doesn't display it. He's got it, you know, kind of wrapped up and tucked away. But after taking the painting, his mother was murdered. There's a lot of death associated so, yeah. with the and sickness. Yeah. So McCarran, uh, he does not believe the painting to be cursed or evil in any means. Uh, he does not display the painting, like I said, unless someone asks to see it, he will show it to them. Uh, he said, however, usually people get a chill throughout their entire body and pretty much just demand, like, no, 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 put that up. I don't want to see it. I can like so totally envision this in a, yeah. in a TV show while I keep it in the wine cellar downstairs. And you go down <laughs> a dimly lit stairway and there's holy water and now it all is, this. It is claimed that Johnny Depp once owned the painting. Ooh. And he became so weirded out by it that he developed a pathological fear of clowns because of the painting being in his home. Now, Johnny Depp, he's got a weird dude anyway, so, you know, is it because of the painting or... Did he buy it to be inspirational, possibly? I mean, I could see Johnny doing that with some of his roles that he's played. You know, Edward Scissorhands and, of course, Captain Jack Sparrow <laughs> and all of those. So, you know, what do you think about the Crying Boy paintings? Is it a curse? Do you possibly have one? Do you remember finding one in a thrift store or garage sale? Are you lucky enough or unlucky enough to remember one hanging in your grandparents' room? I think as a child, I definitely remember a family member having one of these. I don't recall seeing one. I remember my mom and dad had the the puppy kitty version of the big-eyed I know I've alley. seen something similar to that. I know we had that, and I think they were hung weirdly in our utility room downstairs in the basement but for the life of me and i've been racking my brains trying to remember where i saw this crying boy but when i went on the internet and i saw the original version i'm like i've seen this before and it wasn't like in a thrift store or garage sale it was hung on somebody's house that i visited but i will say there was something about this type of artwork those big sad eyes the the single tear the crying but I never noticed or remembered noticing until I started doing the research of the original crying boy, and it has that reflection in his face, like he is sitting next to a fire hearth or fire is reflecting off of him, and that dirty face, you know, kind of looking at you. It's creepy. It, <laughs> you said cute in a lot of the instances. Well, the, the children are the cute. The child was supposed to be cute, but in the context of the picture, it's okay. It's like looking in a room full of dolls. You know, it, it's a little unsettling because, you know, it, it's such a sad picture. It's, yeah. Yeah. But this one, especially when you, when you know the alleged curse behind it of fire and you see the reflection of like this warm glow off the boy's face and those eyes that literally just like pierce through your soul, it creeps me out. <laughs> and I like weird, creepy stuff, but that, that creeps me out, you know, so I, I don't know. I still can't remember what wall of what house I saw that on, but I know, I know for a fact somebody in my family or close friends had that. So, but now, Bill, what time is it? Time for nightmare headlines. Take it away. My headline is from The Blade, October 28th, 2022. Toledo couple collects haunted objects. I wanted to, to find something that was involved with curses and haunts and things like that, but specifically items. Now, Dennis and Maggie Hagen, who both work for the McLaren St. Luke's Hospital, normal married couple, couple of kids, you know, nothing strange about them, until you go in their basement. Ooh, creepy basement. Now, there's something spooky there. Entrance to the room are warned. There are a lot of haunted artifacts within. 
they do have negative items, and you have been warned. And at first glance, a lot of it seems to be fairly innocent, but every item in the display is said to have a spirit attached. Example, there are at least two dozen dolls on display. Of course, creepy dolls. Not not scary in itself, but hey. <laughs> These include a Pinocchio doll with the spirit of a boy named Mario, a vintage Mario. Howdy Doody with a spirit of a boy named Matthew, and a doll named Helen said to be home to a demon that has attacked both of the Hagans, which they keep contained with a cross that has been blessed by an exorcist hung around the doll's neck. This sounds like Ed and Lorraine Warren's museum. I mean, serious. Give me a minute. I, I, I touch on that a little okay. bit. Okay. There's a wooden high chair from the early 20th century with a makeshift Ouija board painted on the underside of the tray oh. that the mom allegedly used to try to contact the deceased infant Ooh. who used the chair. Creepy, creepy. There's a black medical bag from the earlier 20th century with the spirit of a doctor bound to it. An ornate Bible kept in a glass case. The Bible was used in an exorcism in the 70s. Now, the spirit of the young woman has bound herself to the Bible. That seems really weird. As well as the entity that they excised from her. Oh, wow. So, Yin and Yang there. Yeah. Uh, they have a jar of dirt from Ed Gein's property in Wisconsin. And, of course, he wouldn't. A key from <laughs> the Amityville Horror House. Weird. So, now, Mr. Higgins instructs everyone who leaves the room to loudly and emphatically declare that no spirits follow them out of the room. They get most of their items from the Facebook vendor Haunted Crap. Haunted Crap. Hey. I love the name. Uh, and, and, but they do also. Come buy my Haunted Crap. <laughs> they do also get objects that are given to them from other owners. Uh, their, their biggest goal right now, however, is to open a haunted museum and to put their collection on display in Toledo. Now, they also are the owners of a production company called 13th Floor Haunted Media Productions. I've actually heard of that. that in, you know, they're going to produce some documentaries about yeah. Strange and Unusual. And they claim that people call them the Ed and Lorraine Warren of the Midwest. Bingo. Didn't miss it. Now, story. I would, I would go to look at that. I seriously would. My, my daughter, she got into watching these YouTube videos. I haven't told you this story yet. I, I saved it just for this. But she's been watching these YouTube videos of these YouTubers going to haunted locations, right? So, right, right. you know, my family being into that kind of thing. My daughter turns to me one day and she pauses the video. And she goes, dad, dad, dad. I'm like, what? I'm watching TV or something. And she, I was like, what? She goes, they're going to, they're going to the, the house from the conjuring. They said, it's a movie. And I said, yeah, no, I've, uh, I, I said, I saw the conjuring. I went to the theater and saw it with a friend. And it's an Ed and Lorraine Warren yeah, case. Sure. The first in the series, I believe. And I basically. said, uh. I said, oh, you've been watching a lot of these? And she said, yeah. And I said, so you probably know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are. And she's like, who? I'm like, of course, she listened to the podcast. She'd know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are. Well, you know. Yeah. Come on. Come listen on. to my podcast. My gosh. You know. She was a program. 14-year-old girl. Listen to my podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so. Here's $5. So listen she's to like, I, I, don't, I don't know who they are. I've never heard of them. And I'm like, oh, well, there are people that, that did this. You know, they used to investigate all these things. So I'm watching my TV show. I look over about 10 minutes later. And there's Ed and Lorraine on the screen, you know, what she's watching. <laughs> and, and of course, about the time I look over, she turns around and she goes, Dad, they're talking about those people you were talking about. It's like, yes, I am wise <laughs> beyond my years. Yeah, I, I know a thing or two about that stuff. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. It was, it was a neat little story. It just goes to show that my kids don't listen to the podcast and it's, you know, <laughs> disheartening. We're very heartbroken <laughs> over that. Well, my headliner... um, you know, there's there's a host of considered cursed paintings, not just the, the crying boy. And as Bill mentioned, there's even more so of haunted paintings. I stumbled across a story of, uh, it's a painting of a Spanish general, Bernardo de Galvez, 
Uh, he lived in 1746 to 1786. Now, this particular painting resides at the end of a hallway in a hotel that bears his name and is said to have a supernatural influence, in particular, over photographs taken of it. My thought. I, I read hmm. about that one. Now, that was, I mean, I, I, I thought about including that. Now, some claim to see when they take a picture with the mirror, they get a skull in the mirror. And with flash photography, especially, of the painting. And according to local folklore, visitors must politely ask permission of the yeah. ghost before yeah, to, they take. You have to ask or the photo won't turn out. And I like the way they said, uh, ask permission of the, of the ghost to take a picture of the portrait or portal. Because as a paranormal knows, mirrors are sometimes yeah. considered portals or else the photo will be ruined upon development. Now, taking it a step further, some people even said their cameras quit working, like not batteries, but literally the camera broke after taking a picture. Now, Bill, you and I have went on ghost hunts before. and We uh, need to again. We definitely need to. <laughs> my I, I my son it. would love to go on one. But, you know, often you it's trick photography you can take a picture into a mirror and and get all kinds of creepy weird stuff i can't say i've ever gotten a skull you know that would be far-fetched but i can say i've got what you could make out as like a shadow figure possibly and that was done accidentally by taking a picture in a bedroom whose mirror reflected into a bathroom off of a mirror in there so it's kind of a double mirror kind of thing but you know so some of that can be explained but again there's a lot of curses out there, paintings, pictures, mirrors, whatever the case may be. And in this particular case, they mentioned the painting with a mirror. So I didn't get to see a picture of this, but I'm trying to envision how that would be. How would you have a picture and a mirror? I, I somehow not, think that that's part of the, sure. the, like, okay, you take the picture through the mirror, which, I mean, I think it's going to cause cause something some of like that, that stuff. but. Well, regardless, if you believe in curses or ill fate or luck or unluck, we appreciate you listening to yet another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Sleep well, my friends. Well, first off, I wish our listeners could see this hey. magnificent. Do the intro first and then. Okay. Well, I think the intro should come first always. Right. And then you can talk about my shirt after that. You just don't want me to talk about your shirt. No, I just think we have a format that we follow. <laughs> you know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for Nightmare Headlines. Not yet. What? I got a closing. Okay. So well, what do you... What well, do you, that... If we're going to close, we close the episode, Well, right? it's not a total close. It's kind of oh, a okay. semi-close. Right. Closing. I don't know, Just work with me. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of harned... Harned... <laughs> Rewind. Entrance to the rumor warned there are a lot of haunted artifacts within. Haunted? I think you said Did I say it again? Haunted. Okay. <clears throat> Take three. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Ravensloft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. 
And also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for again supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.